Hello, welcome to Mommy Meets. My name is Julie Gradshide, and I am the founder and creator of Mommy Meets. Thanks so much for listening. This is my first podcast, so I'm excited, but I'm also a little bit nervous. Uh, I have to tell you, just to start, all my life, anytime I tried something new, the first emotion I tend to go to is a little bit of fear and anxiety. So it'll probably take me a couple minutes to work through this. Uh, I tend to always lean toward perfectionism, and I know I'm not alone, but um, this is something I'm definitely working on. And I know this podcast is not going to be perfect. I'm just learning how to appreciate the messy and imperfect parts of me, and that's part of my Mommy Mate School. So thank you so much for joining me on my very first Mommy Mates podcast. I hope you find the connection and the soul work that I'm doing as a mommy mate. So before I delve into some of the topics that I wanted to talk about as a mommy mate, topics like parenting and health, in particular mental health, inclusion, and our connection to other people, I thought it would be best to tell you a little bit about myself and how mommy mates came to be. And actually... Let's start with what mommy mates really is, because it seems like that's the first question that I get when I tell people about mommy mates. Mommy mates is simply this idea about raising a generation to be kind to the planet and the people on it. The mission reads, I will be a mindful, active participant in the well-being of our planet and the people on it. I will be inclusive and seek to find similarity in others while respecting perceived differences. I will remember that the greatest gifts in life are often free or a result of the sum of small contributions. It is human nature to want to be valued and to contribute. No matter my age, I am learning that I can make a difference and that my inherent purpose is to connect, to be a mommy mate. Wow. Okay. So I know that's a mouthful of a mission. So I wanted to break that apart and take a closer look at each part of the mission and then tell you a little bit about myself while I'm explaining how I decided what the Mommy Mates mission would be. So this first part of the Mommy Mates mission reads, I will be a mindful, active participant of the planet and the people on it. And I think it's important that we look at the definitions of those words, mindful and active, because inherent in the definition of the word mindful, which means focused awareness, and active, which means ready to engage, is at the heart of what Mommy Mates is all about which is the idea that I believe that the best things in life happen when we decide not to just be passive bystanders in our own life. And that when we have a mindful approach of being focused and ready to engage with the things around us, aka our planet and the people on it, this is when you're acting as a mommy mate. I studied communications and social psychology back in college. And I learned about the differences between active and passive listening and about 
nonverbal messages and how they really can almost impact relationships and communication more than what you're saying. And also about how people are hardwired for connection. And the most important thing that I learned in school is that there's still a lot more that we need to discover about our brain and about how we're attracted to others and how we communicate with others. But everything I know and that I've learned so far supports this mommy mates idea that when we're engaged and mindful, that the outcome, whatever it is, is going to be a little bit more significant. And so I could spend hours talking about the placebo effect and the power of mind of the mind, but I'm going to leave that for another time. However, I simply just want to say that I think that each one of us has this ability to be mindful and that we each have come here with a unique gift or presence that we need to impart with others and that this is our nature or maybe even our responsibility um, to contribute in this way where we're aware of the of the planet and the people on it. So that first part of the mission of being a mindful, active participant of the planet and people on it is fairly straightforward. The second part talks about this idea of being inclusive and seeking to find similarity in others while percept, well respecting perceived differences. So let's talk about that a little bit. And I want to give you some of my own tangible personal examples. And then I want to give you an example of where I saw this out in nature and then also with other people. I grew up as the oldest child of divorce. And so at an early age, I learned to be this master negotiator between my parents and talk about honing in on the ability to see things very differently from two sometimes opposite ends of the spectrum. And since I deeply loved both of my parents, I crafted this ability to listen and understand each of their perspectives without taking sides of who was right and wrong. And years before I'd go on to get my degree in psychology and communications, I was learning firsthand that perception really does shape your reality and that so often somebody has a different perception of the exact same event. And with my parents, I learned that this was going on, but I would take the things that would serve me and I would look for our connection with each of them and the things that we enjoy doing together or what our similar interests were rather than focusing on the areas where we were different or I just didn't agree with them. So, you know, being a child of divorce was hard. It really was, but it taught me many positive things about myself. And I feel like really helped me craft some of my positive attributes. And one of them was this openness to loving someone, and in this case, my parents, that had, um, that maybe we had a lot of differences. And I love them despite the fact that we could see multiple sides of the same situation. So I attribute these skills that I learned by being a child of divorce and sometimes in painful situations 
as part of the reason that I was able to go on and marry my husband, who was of a different faith. So I found that actually pretty easy to do. My husband, Ed, and I have been married for almost 22 years, and he is Jewish and I'm Christian. And before we got married, we talked about wanting to create a home and raise a family with both both religions in our home. You know, neither one of us ever gave the second thought that we would convert. For me, I'm the granddaughter of two ministers, and I grew up as an Italian-American Christian. And basically what that meant is that church and my family were intertwined, and they were basically seeped in almost everything we did throughout our week. And when I met my husband and saw how he was with his family, I could see that he had a similar affinity and pride for being Jewish. So we were intentional to support each other when we got married early on in our marriage about setting a home that would honor both traditions. And we thought even more about this once we had children, because we definitely wanted to raise our girls in an interfaith home. So in order to do that, we had to learn a little bit more of each other's religions. And what I did is I ended up taking my daughters to mommy and me Jewish preschool for many, many years. And my husband, Ed, decided to join me attending church. We wanted our girls to have faith and we wanted them to see the beauty of Judaism and Christianity. But we also wanted them to have an openness in regard to religion and to other people or people who had other thoughts about religion. So this was definitely another personal area besides being a child of divorce, living in an interfaith marriage, where I was seeking to find similarity while respecting these differences that we thought of. And then I found that I observed this same ability to seek to find the similarity while respecting differences out in nature. And like so many couples, before my husband and I had kids, Ed and I had dogs. Charlie, our beagle, was my first baby, and he lived to be 17 and a half years old. We got him a little bit after we got married. And then a couple of years later, Gigi, who was our chihuahua, came into our life. And these two were literally my kids before kids. I got each of them when they were puppies at about seven weeks old. And they taught me a ton about parenthood and sacrifice and sleepless nights long before I ever had kids. They traveled with us when we moved to Japan, and I actually even dressed them up for Halloween and pranced them through the neighborhood. Yeah, I was, I was those, one of those dog parents. Anyway, along with being a great training ground for parenting, they were also another area of my life where naturally I was noticing this seek to find similarity thing while respecting the differences through my dogs. Charlie and Gigi, they had a rough start, Um, but it wasn't because they had different colored fur or because they were different sizes or different breeds or their bodies looked really different. It was because they both wanted my attention 
And Charlie being the older one, I mistakenly thought that his need for affection meant that he would want the company of another dog. But nope, he just wanted my attention. So when Gigi came on the scene, it was kind of like how a two-year-old might appreciate their brand new sibling. And, you know, after a few weeks, it was fine. But in the beginning, there was definitely a little bit of resentment. And, you know, they quickly, my dogs quickly became inseparable. They actually slept in the same crate. They traveled together to Japan. They lived together and slept together their entire life. And they absolutely loved each other despite the fact that they were incredibly different. Charlie continued to remain his true beagle self. He would bay and he was extremely food motivated. And Gigi continued to be my lap dog and was a little bit yappy at times and always sun seeking, but they were, they just remained very different. But they were my first mommy mates where I observed this natural ability that animals have to respect the differences and find similarity in the pack animals around them. And I thought to myself back then, why can't humans do that a little bit more naturally? And observing Charlie and Gigi together is where I got the idea for this children's book series that I want to call Charlie and Gigi. And I decided many years ago that I wanted to write this children's book series about serious topics that kids might encounter through the eyes of my dog. Um, they're adorable characters, Charlie and Gigi. And I wanted these books to have a focus on inclusion and acceptance and understanding. And so I thought about this because I wanted to document some of these things that we experience in life and that I had actually experienced, but use my dog's characters to portray these messages in a friendly way that kids could relate to. Some of these titles in my book series are Charlie and Gigi Celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah, and this is all about an interfaith family, or Charlie and Gigi meet a superbug, which is all about living through the, the pandemic. Or Charlie and Gigi Lullaby, which talks about when Charlie and Gigi met and their differences, but how they quickly learned to love each other despite those and accept each other for who they were. So this children's book series is currently a work in progress. Um, along with my desire to get mommy mates up and running, I'm also writing this series about Charlie and Gigi and this children's book series. There are a couple of books available on my mommy mates website, so you can check those out and then stay tuned for more of these Charlie and Gigi book series as well. So this Charlie and Gigi book series came into my head actually before mommy mates. At the time, I was living in Japan as an expat, and I was observing my cute puppies, and I came up with my great book series idea, the Charlie's and Gigi book series, right about the same time that I found out that I was pregnant with my first daughter, Victoria. And it was very soon after I had her that my mommy meets concept came into being. At first, my mommy meets it the brand that I wanted to promote 
was all about products that made parenting easier. For example, the first thing I thought about was we need a doorbell sign that reads, please knock. Because I have this daughter who was um, very sensitive and would wake up if she heard the doorbell. And I also had two dogs who would bark like crazy if the doorbell rang. So I was like, we need to find a universal placard that can go on any doorbell and say, please knock and promote it under the mommy meets name. And so... You know, I was thinking about these types of products and I was having babies at the time and I moved back to the United States and mommy mates and this evolution was always in the back of my mind, but I I didn't ever take the time to solidify it as I'm doing now. So that was something that always was in there on the back burner. What I was taking time doing was raising my girls who were born 20 months apart. Um, when my youngest daughter, Natalie turned two, I felt like I was ready to get back into my career, but I didn't think that I could pull off doing either mommy mates or the Charlie and Gigi book series then. So I wanted to do something part-time where I could still be a full-time mom to the girls. Um, and I wanted to role model quite honestly for my daughter that I was contributing, that it wasn't just their dad working, that I was also working. Because before I had kids, I always thought that I would work and have kids. So, you know, I felt like it was time to go back and role model that. So I found the perfect fit for this parenting goal and for being a mommy mates and what mommy mates would eventually come to be, which was through being an au pair consultant. And I worked over a decade with hundreds of Bay Area families and hundreds of au pairs from all over the world. And again, I found that this mommy mates example, this idea that we have way more similarities than differences, and that when we seek to look out those similarities, instead of focusing on the differences, the world's a better place to live in. I could see this through being an au pair consultant because it would be this beautiful thing that would happen between families and au pairs when they would meet these cultural and communicative differences with curiosity and respect rather than with judgment or criticism. And being a consultant for 12 years at the same time I was raising my girls from babies to teenagers was a great backdrop and reinforcement of my parenting goal, which was to raise my own daughters, to not be afraid of the differences they perceive in others. So hence, this is all part of the mommy mates mission that, you know, I learned early on from being a child of divorce and then going on and marrying somebody in her faith. I um, saw it in my dogs and then I saw it in hundreds of families all around the world and here in the Bay Area to be inclusive and to seek to find similarities in others while respecting perceived differences, was kind of the way to go. So the next part of the mission says, as a mommy mate, I will remember that the greatest gifts in life are often free or a result of the sum of small contributions. Okay, so I've alluded to this already earlier, But I believe that each one of us has come to the world with this inherent gift to share with others. You know, there's nobody, there's no one person who's awesome at everything. 
But I truly believe that each of us has a certain spark or light or call it natural ability um, that I think we were meant to share. And that comes to us fairly easily. So when my girls were encountering or entering middle school, they started to um, encounter friends or frenemies that would act insecure or they would get jealous. And in hopes to explain what was going on to, to my girls and in hopes to ward off these insecure, jealous feelings with them, I made up this philosophy and I called this the awesome pie theory. And what this states is that there is enough awesome pie for everyone to get a slice. So when you see someone else doing something awesome, you don't need to react with insecurity or jealousy because there's enough room in the world or pieces of the pie for each one of us to be awesome or to have a slice. It is infinite. You get your slice. And I would go on to explain to them that, you know, this is our natural ability. This is our natural gift. You get to be awesome. You get to shine your own light. And that when we shine our light to others, it doesn't take away light from somebody else. It just what makes our world brighter. It makes that light brighter. And so in that same vein, where I think that we truly all have this inherent ability to be awesome, I also recognized that the things that humans enjoy the most are oftentimes free, like enjoying quality family time together or loving somebody or being listened to or listening thoughtfully to a friend. These are some of the best gifts in life. And these are things that seem to mean the most to humans and they're free. And I think that when we live in such a material world during such a technical, busy time, it's important to remember this. So it's not only important to remember that the best things in life are often free, like the cliche says, but that it's the premise of the mommy mates philosophy that little things matter, that little things count and can add up. Because if you're like me, most of us don't have a bunch of extra time to devote to philanthropy or charity work. And and by the way, some of us do, some of you do, and some of you are out there right now saying, this is what I do full time. Awesome. You are awesome. That is your light. Do more of that. Um, and you're doing some of what I call that big stuff. Like if you're hosting philanthropic events or charity work, you know, you're an angel and, and that's awesome. But I want everybody else out there who just does these little bits just to know that these little moments of kindness and connection and grace that we can give one another throughout our day, that they matter. They can actually change your mindset. And, you know, this is a premise that I learned back when I was in grad school. And we learned about it in psychology, which is this term that they call homeostasis, or you want balance. And researchers would talk about this state of imbalance as a term they call cognitive dissonance. And this is when our actions or our behaviors don't match what we're thinking. And then we're in cognitive dissonance and humans don't like that. Humans want balance or homeostasis. So in your daily life, if you take the time to smile at someone, 
And even if you're not feeling happy or in a good mood, the act or behavior of smiling itself can actually influence your mindset and make you a little bit happier. And over time, if we're smiling all day long to people, you're not going to help but be happy. And you'll, you might observe that your, your mindset's actually in a better place. Okay. So I'm going to share a personal story. A few years back, I became very aware that a lot of my daily anger, like what was going on when I would most get upset throughout the day came while I was driving. And I was driving a lot because I was the unpaid Uber driver for my kids to all their activities. And then in my role as a consultant, I had to go to my host family's home. So I was driving all over the Bay Area. And if I was really honest and listening to my internal dialogue and the things that I said in my head, and sometimes I even said out loud, much of it was critical, judgmental, and totally negative. So one day I thought to myself when I was driving, I'm going to just start giving people a blessing that drive by me. It doesn't matter what car they drive or what they look like. and, And oftentimes I wouldn't even see their faces, but I just started getting into the habit of wishing somebody well. And what that looked like is in my mind, they would drive past me and I would say things like, you know, as they're turning on the light, oh, I hope you have a great day or here's a blessing for you, or I hope you feel loved. And I started to notice that the times when I would do this, that I would actually feel happier and less tense when I was driving. And I also noticed that when I was engaging and blessing others, then when I got cut off or something happened that would normally just really kind of piss me off, that I was far less likely to react in anger And I was much calmer and probably even a better driver. So I started to try to do this habit on a regular basis. And I started to let it go past just driving, like maybe when I was in a rush or maybe when I was in going in to grab something at the grocery store. You know, what I, what I would find then as I would just start doing this blessing activity is that it was really a blessing mostly for my own peace of mind. And this is what I mean when I talk about how small contributions or changes can add up in life to make big differences with each and every one of us. And, you know, just with the analogy of like the tiny skipping stone that when you toss it the right way makes this huge ripple in the water, each one of us has the ability to do these little small things in our day, even if we don't have a lot of time. Things that we might think aren't a big deal, but that have the potential to make big positive outcomes on the planet and the people on it. So the last part of the mission says, as a mommy mate, it is human nature to want to be valued and contribute. No matter your age, you're learning that you can make a difference and that it is your inherent purpose to connect, to be a mommy mate. So I have to admit that when I first thought about mommy mates, um, it was all about this idea from for selling goods that would help parenting, making parenting easier. 
And so my vision for Mommy Mate shifted. And as it shifted from selling goods and services to promoting ideas and values that would raise a generation to support the planet and people on it was right around when my older daughter, Victoria, turned four. And I want to tell you the story about this. A little before her fourth birthday, she came to me and she asked me to give her gloves for her birthday. And I said, honey, why do you want gloves? And she said to me in such a cute little innocent voice, well, mom, it's because I want to pick up garbage and you won't let me because you say it's dirty and don't touch. So if I have the gloves, I can pick up the garbage to make the world prettier. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, so the next day I ran out and I bought disposable gloves and compostable bags. And it was in the back of our car for whenever she would want to do these garbage pickups. And, um, you know, instead of calling them garbage pickups, I was like, Ooh, we're doing neighborhood beautifications or nature walks, looking at the neighborhood. And, um, but we started doing these regularly. And I would take one bag for all the beautiful items we might find in nature, and I would take another bag for the garbage. And inevitably, we'd always fill up more of the garbage. Um, and one day, and I remember this vividly, where Mommy Mates came into being of where it is now. We were walking about a block away from our house, and I just turned to her and I said, Hey, you know, Victoria, you are my Mommy Mate. And she said, what does that mean? And I told her, well, you're my best mate or buddy, and you're helping me to make the world a better place by picking up the garbage. And you're actually, Victoria, the one inspiring me to be my best self. And so she smiled. And then I told her, I said, and mommy mates has a double meaning. It's like I just realized this as I was telling her this back then. And I said, mommy mates has a double meaning. By explaining that sometimes we refer to Mother Earth, uh, the Earth as Mother. And so she was excited about that. And I told her, I said, so when we're doing our neighborhood beautification together, you're being a mate to your mother, me, but you're also being a mate to Mommy, Mother Earth. And she loved that explanation. And Mommy Mates, as it is now, was created on that walk. I think as parents, we are all super proud of our children and we can see in them, you know, what their inherent talents would be. And I can tell you that Victoria, my older daughter, came into this world with such a philanthropic heart and she really, really, really pushed me to do more regarding the planet and people on it. So she was my inspiration definitely to start Mommy Mates. Um, and I was just trying to be, as we do as parents and as caregivers, the best role model to help support her requests for the things that she wanted to do. And, you know, I'm not alone. I see caregivers and parents doing this all the time on behalf of their kids. But I can tell you that, like, this didn't stop. You know, Victoria, four, we started doing neighborhood beautification walks. And, you know, by the time she was eight, she learned about what an orphan was. And she, of course, said, Mom, I want you to help me make a difference to orphans. Like, what could I do? And a year later, with the help of our friends and family, 
and church and, and my, my job who did a, a matching fund for her, she raised over $3,800 for an orphanage in Poland and was able to provide them with bikes, 28 bikes actually, and playground equipment. And this super empowering for her and our family. And I saw firsthand in her at a, at a young age, this desire to be valued and contribute and how motivating that was, not only for our family, but for other adults. And as we would share our story, we would hear other stories of people doing these awesome things. And so, you know, a lot of goods going, you know, on around us. And that was part of this idea that no matter what your age, you can learn that you do make a difference. Um, and so that was very much a part of that original mission. So I observed this natural desire to connect and wanted to include that in my mission for mommy mates, um, for, for people who were young, for kids and how motivating that was. But I also saw this demonstrated with adults as well. And it made me think of my psychology thesis research that I did. And I actually studied pace of life and life satisfaction in Europe in five different countries as part of a worldwide study. And I had the, the experience and idea of wanting to be valued and making a difference. So I thought that's going to be something that's important. And I discussed this with my mentor, professor, Dr. Robert Levine, and we were kind of debating, you know, my hypotheses. He actually thought that if you have a lower pace of life or slower, perhaps maybe that would be associated with things like lower stress. And that would lead to people reporting that they were actually more satisfied or happier. And I actually thought just the opposite based on a hunch in my own limited experience back, you know, as a 20 something year old in grad school. But I had always found that when I was active, not too busy, but active, that I felt better than when I was doing nothing. And I guessed that it's our human nature to want to contribute. Even if our pace of life was busier, we would actually say, that we're more satisfied. And so we tested both the hypotheses and we found actually statistical significance in the fact of what I thought that the greater pace of life led to greater life satisfaction. Now, with any research, we didn't really look at the outside factors of why. So of course, with any good research, it's going to make you want to ask more questions than you've answered. Um, and, you know, hopefully, and someday we could go on to look at things like socioeconomic status as it relates to pace of life and life satisfaction, where oftentimes a faster pace of life is also associated with higher gross domestic product and all the comforts that can come along with living, let's say, in a first world country versus a third world country. And so, you know, I you know, might later even think about discovering these things that, um, you know, pace of life leads to 
higher life satisfaction. But then moving forward in my own personal experience, living in the Bay Area, living in the Silicon Valley, being a parent, working full time, that there has to be a ceiling to this because nobody wants to feel rushed or too busy. But these are some of the scientific questions that are still out there. And hopefully someday they'll be looked at in the future. But the research even back then, you know, along with my sensitive philanthropic daughter, both helped me to frame this mommy mates mission and the idea that people, no matter their age, want to be valued and contribute. And the last, very last part of the mission says that it's our inherent purpose to do this, to connect. And again, I learned about much of this in graduate school and as I progressed into early adulthood. And I thought back about one study that just always stood out to me for a lot of reasons, but helped me frame this mommy mates mission was Harlow's monkey studies regarding affection and connection. It makes me sad to think about studies like this being done on monkeys, which are our closest primates. But what Harlow found is that when monkeys were raised in isolation without connection, they oftentimes displayed very disturbing social behaviors, or they even died from this lack of contact. So we know as humans, and he summarized back in the study, it's important for this comfort and connection, and we're hardwired to search for it. It's basically innate in our human existence. So where Mommy Mates started with a desire to help make parenting easier and to document this journey, it's now become much more about the idea that we all have something inside of us awesome to share, that each of us is here to contribute in our own individual way and to shine that light, and that the sharing will only create a ripple effect of feeling connection with others around us and with our planet. And when we speak of ripple effect, as I said earlier, nothing seems to motivate people more than children do. So if you're a caregiver, a mother, a father, an aunt, an uncle, a nanny, you can't help but want to be your best self, if only for the sake of the children around you. And when you witness them, I mean, their raw, unfiltered kindness their inability to be anything but their authentic self, so cute. And that they oftentimes have this strong natural affinity for the planet and people around them. Nothing creates a bigger ripple effect that you were a role model for a child and they were the best motivator for you to be your best self. This is what I call the mommy mates ripple effect. So... I want mommy mates to help us discover all the amazing things that everybody's doing in their own lives and to feel good about these big and small moments. Sometimes they are really the little things and we just don't have a bunch of time. It's like saying hello to somebody, deciding to say hello to somebody that's passing by or deciding to put down your phone and give somebody eye contact when they're talking to you. And you might not think these little things matter, but I believe, and the mommy mates philosophy would say, that it's the accumulation of these little positive things that adds up 
And sharing these positive things seems to actually motivate more positive things to happen. We need to recognize these wins. We need to give ourselves credit, especially as moms and parents, and especially after a year like COVID, where many of us felt lost and alone and helpless and at times just basically despair. I know that for me, I never felt like a worse parent than in the last year. There was not a playbook of how to raise a teenager in a pandemic. There was not a playbook for me on how to grieve the loss of a loved one in isolation when everyone else around me was also hurting, but when my hurt felt unique and overwhelming at times. And then this year also brought me some of these amazing realizations. And there were times where I actually felt free. That's the best word I can come up with. Free of obligation, free of societal norms, free to take a chance on starting some of my dreams, free to focus on myself and my well-being. And there were even times where I felt courageous living through this pandemic. So that's certainly part of what finally inspired me to share my Mommy Mates story with you and what the Mommy Mates philosophy is all about. This was something that for years I was too scared or I thought I was too busy to manifest it. And I'm happy that I'm here now. And I attribute some of this hardship this last year to being where I'm at now. So in some, for me, it's true that in some of my hardest times, I've discovered some of the most wonderful things about myself and the planet and the people on it. And this past year was no exception. I realized most importantly that I'm not alone. And every time in my life that I've been brave enough to share my vulnerability with others, I'm pleasantly shocked that I'm always met with more understanding and empathy than I actually even think I deserve. I think that people might even like me better for disclosing what I often think of as flaws and they just think of as more relatable and human. And I realized also that just because I stopped working in my official career as an au pair consultant, and just because society tells me the age I'm at is now, you know, I'm a middle-aged woman, that doesn't mean that my story has to wrap up. It could just mean that I'm getting to start the second chapter in my book of life. And now I get to do this chapter and write it with a little bit more life experience and more grace for myself and for others. And more than anything, besides the fact that this year taught me I'm not alone, this year taught me that now is the new later. I, I swear, I even bought a sweatshirt from Good Human that says now is the new, new later. And I will post a picture of that on social media. But, you know, I always knew time was my most precious asset, but goodness, living through a pandemic, it really drilled home that we do not get endless amounts of it. And now is the new later and we better get to it, whatever that is. And so I humbly share this mommy mates idea with you. Um, I hope in the podcast ahead where we explore our vulnerabilities and share connections and topics like parenting and health that we feel less alone. For me, what started as an idea to create a legacy only for my family has now become this desire to share and connect with others in a broader perspective. So I hope 
to educate and inspire, but I also hope to learn. Uh, I also hope that I get to learn and become better educated. I hope to be part of creating a world that, you know, we do leave this legacy behind, not a perfect world, because God knows I've made mistakes and I will make more, but a world that is just a little bit more curious and open. And with the idea that together we absolutely can raise a generation that's mindful of their contribution and their connection to the planet and the people on it. That is what Mommy Mates is all about. So until next time, let's Mommy Mates on and enjoy the soul work of leaving our legacy.